welcome. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny perfectly orchestrated for those who are willing to be adventurous enough to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you allow the presence of the comforting Holy Spirit of God to radically display the Father's love for you. You are a part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. So we are in the series called King and Kingdom. And today we're going to do a part two, as I promised some of you, if you remember from last week. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Sometimes I think I'm just preaching for Jesus. It's okay because he actually really appreciates it. Um, We. (laughs) I believe that. I, I started to uh, illustrate and declare to you that the kingdom that we have been granted to first know about and then see and then enter into is the kingdom of love. Because it is the kingdom of love and it's God's kind of love, it does not operate the way this natural world works. The way this natural world works is through fear and control. Jesus illustrated that when he said that uh, you guys, you disciples that he was talking to, are going to be different. The way you're going to do the kingdom I'm giving you is by serving one another in love. The way the world works is by control, leadership, people on top, and then the losers on the bottom. So in the kingdom, you probably heard this, it's an upside-down kingdom. And so anything that's uh, congruent with the kingdom is going to have kind of an upside-down concept to it if you, put it if you parallel it to the natural systems. Specifically, what we have in America, our system of government, which is the greatest system of government that's ever been set up by human hands. Amen. So there's the kingdom of God, which is the system of government. And then there's the best natural system of government that we could ever possibly come up with, which is the American system of government, um, was protected by specific rights. And if you're paying attention, I've already led you into a little bit of a a, a teaser about what I want to do. I'm going to spend a, a little section of this morning uh, dealing with some things that are going on in our society just prior to revealing greater depths of how the kingdom of love operates, and they are not, uh, they are not contradictory to each other. I'm not going to do one part and then stop and do another part. These things flow together. And so you need to understand that. Otherwise, uh, you're going to think that I'm going to do some natural, carnal, human stuff and then get into some divine God stuff. It, it doesn't work that way. Everything Jesus dealt with on this natural level, he dealt with it from a spiritual principle. He dealt with it with spiritual power. When there was natural problems, he brought supernatural solutions. Okay. I'm going to uh, read to you while you look at what's known as the Fourth Amendment. 
most people don't have a clue. And I'm being super honest. And if anybody in here is uh, grown up enough to admit that they don't remember high school, then you will probably know and agree that uh, most people in this room even, and, and we're already that crazy church. <laughs> But even most people in this room, you've probably never read the Constitution or you haven't read it in decades. You uh, have either never read the Bill of Rights or you haven't read them in decades. And you have no clue as to how your government operates, which is, um, which is indicative of why uh, there are tyrants that are controlling all of the aspects of our life right now. So I'm going to uh, tease you a little bit with some of the foundational rights that you have because you were born or you are in this amazing country and these rights are even lower than the rights that you have as a citizen of heaven. Come on now. Um, You live concurrently in two kingdoms. You are a son in the kingdom of heaven. I know all the gals are like, well, no, I'm a daughter. No, you're a son. The word son in the Greek is huios. And it doesn't mean gender, it means inheritance. And so you are a son in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of love. But you are also a citizen of the United States, which is a constitutional republic, not a democracy. Amen. Amen. I must be teaching you guys pretty good. That was a lot of amens. Because I've gone to other churches and said that and they're like, Blasphemy. <laughs> and here they're like, yeah, amen, I know. So a constitutional republic means, republic means that we are sovereign and that we operate by a agreed upon set of laws. Um, constitutional means that that's the set of laws. And then the way that we get our representation to make sure people don't take away those rights and those laws and make laws congruent with that set of agreed upon uh, constitution is by a democratic process known as voting. And I know just saying that word in today's world makes a lot of people go, because we've been jacked. Ooh, this is. I, uh, Jack is a guy who flies around and steals stuff. I don't want to lose my YouTube channel, so I got to be I got to be careful about what I say. Um, our democratic process in in the nation at the moment is under incredible duress. How's that? Is that okay? Um, uh, because of that, you and I, which are commonly known as we the people, need to pick up the slack. That we have lazily and lackadaisically given to a bunch of people that we thought were going to do the right thing. And you know what they're doing? They're counting the money that you gave them saying, ha ha ha, suckers. So now it's our responsibility to go and make sure that those folks uh, are going to honor what we put them into place to do. So specifically what I'm talking about in our nation right now Oh my gosh. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, so there are uh there are vaccine mandates, there are mask mandates, there are uh employers 
who are demanding and commanding that their employees do uh, do all kinds of crazy things that make no sense. And I'm going to try to unravel this and do it right. And the first thing I'm going to let you know is that you have very, very specific rights about all of these things, specifically. And because most people don't know, you just lay down and take it. So the Fourth Amendment reads as such. If you do not have a pocket constitution, we will give you one for free. We'll give you two if you promise to hand it out to someone and make them read it. I'll give you three if you'll give them to two people and make them read it. The more people that know the rights that we have as American citizens, the more likely we are as a country to defend said rights. Specifically, the Second Amendment, which gives us a lot of authority to defend our rights. Those of you that don't know what the Second Amendment is, uh, you can look that up later, if you get a pocket constitution. The Fourth Amendment reads as such, the right of the people. Anybody know who that is? Well, hallelujah. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, their houses, their papers, that includes your stuff, Effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not, everybody say not, not. be violated. Amen. It, notice, those of you that are reading it, there's no asterisk that says, unless there's certain governors that I'm not going to name of certain colored states. It doesn't say unless there's uh, a scandem <laughs> unless there's a plan unless they tell us that there's something going on that gives them the right to remove your rights because they feel like it. How's that? Is that better? <laughs> Take that YouTube. There's no asterisk for those of you that are not paying attention. Never, ever, 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 ever is the United States government supposed to be allowed to remove any of these ten rights. These are the Bill of Rights that are inalienable because they come from God. So the only time that a government believes that they have the right to remove said rights is only when they believe that they have ascended above God. I hope you're catching this. So every time you allow a government to remove one of these ten rights, you have said in your heart, God is below that person. And, and I know that you're like, no, man, I'm just, I'm just being nice. I'm following the rules. Says every slave that doesn't know they're in slavery. When the government says, I can search your person, your houses, your effects, your papers, and seize whatever I want to, with no warrants, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. 
So there's a provision in there that if you are an evil person and you're hiding meth in your house and a police officer knows that you're hiding meth in your house, he will go to a lawful judge who has sworn an oath to this Constitution and he, that lawful judge will say to that police officer, do you have really rock-solid proof that there's meth in that guy's house? Yes, sir. Here's the pictures. Here's the video. Here's him cooking it. Here's him dancing while he's cooking it. Okay, I will issue a warrant for the singular purpose of you being able to go to their house to verify that that's meth and not pea soup. I don't know what meth looks like. (laughs) Very, very specific. So now the government has said, you are no longer right to be in charge of your bloodstream, the cells of your body, your immune system, and the oxygen intake that you have. Let me, let me read to you the definition of choke. Choke. To check, to restrain, or diminish the action or force of, or block normal breathing by obstruction. When the school districts tell the children that they cannot come in unless their normal breathing is obstructed, the school district says, I have the right to choke your child. And you know what the average parent says? Just don't do it too hard, okay? Let me say this, and I know I might be different. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Not might. I know I am different. If you walked up to, and I don't care how big you are, I don't care what uh, self-defense you think that you know, if you walk up to me, and I have a 10-year-old child. Let's say I have one of the kids that are in here that I love and adore. And they're walking with me down the road. And you walk up, six foot seven, 350 pounds, with your karate garb on. And you grab the child that's with me by the throat. And start to reduce the oxygen intake of that child. I assure you, your size, your weight, and your knowledge of karate will not stop me from making sure that you pull back a nub. I can assure you. And that's not even my child. I'll do that for any child in this church. I'll do that for any child whether I know them or not. And there are parents, I won't even say in here because I'm going to be gracious. There are parents in this town, in this nation, that the school boards have voted to choke their children. And they have said, okay. This is why I know I am weird. I am weird because I say that if a child is being choked, I will defend that child and not allow them to be choked. The normal people, upside down kingdom, upside down kingdom, the normal people in our world says, no, choke my child. 
while you're choking my child, please stick a needle in his arm and change his DNA. And they vote for this, and you keep putting them in charge of the future of your life. And I know you might be thinking, well, the government says so. I know, because the government's never lied to anyone, ever. They obviously know what's good for you. God, stupid. Government, really wise. Let's do what the government says. If you don't know this, um, there are tens of thousands, tens of thousands of scientists and doctors who have resumes that go beyond the time of me able to give you, I can't even probably tell you some of the words that are in their resume of things that they know. I can't even pronounce them. Tens of thousands of scientists and doctors that have said, Masking is child abuse, and poking is dangerous, deadly, or at a minimum, unnecessary. At a minimum, unnecessary. And I'm being really cautious because I really adore the fact that I get to preach the gospel incessantly on our YouTube channel. And it goes all over the world and people watch it in different countries. And so I am not going to nuke this YouTube channel by telling you this. But I hope that your brains are engaged, that you understand what I'm saying. At a minimum, these pokes are unnecessary. At a minimum. At a maximum, they are purposefully deadly. And I have watched and learned and researched for hundreds of hours. And I can tell you that right now there are tens of thousands and likely hundreds of thousands of people that are dead because they believed what they were told by their omnipotent government. I'm telling you, and I know this is heavy, But I've I've skirted around these issues for a long time. All of you, almost everybody that's been here any length of time, you know how I feel about all these things. And so I'm, I'm not skirting it today. I'm telling you that we have spiritual and natural rights that are being molested incessantly by tyrants led by the chief tyrant, Satan, and I, for one, you can tell I'm wrestling with my words because I'm really passionate about this. I, for one, if I'm the only one, I'm okay with that. But I, for one, am not going to let a tyrant of any kind and of any spiritual origin Take anything away from me or my family. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now what you do, what you do is up to you. It's up to you. You can lay down 
and let the government prostitute you all you want. That is, it is your right, it is your freedom. You can give up your freedoms, you can give up your rights to anyone, anytime you feel like it. If that's what you want to do. I'll even defend your right to do it. If that's what you want to do. But you don't have to. If you're willing to stand up for what belongs to you against the chief tyrant or any of his little minion tyrants, I will stand with you. And I dare say that I know enough people in this room that they'll stand with you too. And for those of you that don't understand this, look it up later, but we'll stand with you so ardently that we will use our Second Amendment rights. And we will use our biblical rights to defend you. And, and some people are awkward by that, and maybe they don't like that kind of stuff. I, I get that. That's fine. You don't have to like it. But you do need to like it enough that somebody else likes it. I don't want everybody in here exercising their Second Amendment. Some of you, I don't trust with an ink pen. <laughs> and half the gals in here, the, one of the reasons I don't get too close and hug you too tight and kiss you too much is because you get makeup all over me. God forbid we gave you a firearm. You're losing appendages up in here. And so I don't necessarily want everyone to carry one. But I do want everyone to respect the fact that we have that right, and if it wasn't for that right, we would already be Australia. Because first they gave up their Second Amendment, and now they're slaves. They are literally building camps as we speak to usher all the little lemmings into and to do whatever they want to to them. Not here. Maybe not here, beloved. Maybe not here, just my house. I don't know. It's up to you. But I'm saying not here. Wherever I am, there's going to be rights protected. So, if you don't know what the Second Amendment is that we've been alluding to, then raise your hand because we'd like to give you a pocket constitution. If you don't know what your Bill of Rights are, if you don't know what the Constitution is, if you don't know what rights belong to you, inalienable from God then you are not going to be able to defend them. So we want to make sure everybody in the building has one of these. If you do not have one of these, then please raise your hand and we'll give you one. Some of you are carrying them around in your purse. God bless you. All right. If, uh, ready? Ryan, 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 did you see it? Ryan. He says that I can't throw right, or people can't catch right. I don't think he would say I can't throw right, because he 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 knows that uh, he knows that he and I are equal, and maybe I'm just a little bit ahead of him as it relates to sports things. And he'll have a mic eventually, and he'll make it all right. But right now, I got the mic, and I'm just saying that that I'm better than him at some sports. There's a few sports that he's at least equal to me. The reason, and I know that, I know that some uh, folks don't see the parallel here, and it's sad, but love hates evil. If you truly love someone, you would not allow someone else to choke them. 
If you truly love someone and you knew that someone was stealing from them their rights, their liberties, you would defend that person. God is the original right defender. He actually loves us so much that he set us free from the power, authority, and control of Satan knowing, knowing that a bunch of us would run right back into his arms. That's love. There are people in this room, you spent all week long um, being intimate with Satan in their thought life. Uh, James chapter 1 calls it uh, having intercourse with Satan. And, and, and with fear and, and with trepidation, with anxiety. And then you wonder how you get pregnant and you bring forth all of this death and destruction in your life. Jesus actually defends your right to do that. He loves you so much. Man, I don't want to get off track. But Hosea... Hallelujah. I can't, I can't go there. How do I do this? I'll do it real fast. Listen fast. Hosea was a prophet. He was representative of the nation of Israel, which the nation of Israel representative of the people of God, the church, the bride. You're the Lord's bride. Hosea was told by God to marry a hooker. And I know you're thinking, like, no way. Yahweh. God didn't pick us because we were pure and chaste and lovely. He picked us because he loved us. You were a hooker of Satan. And God told Jesus to go marry us. In the book of Hosea, it is, so, it is so parallel. In the book of Hosea, Hosea goes out, finds this prostitute, war, uh, uh, wounds her, uh, not wounds her, but woos her into love, woos her into marriage, woos her into um, accepting him as her groom, marries her, builds this beautiful life for her, and she runs away and goes back to all the guys that she was with. And the amazing thing is, now she goes back to them and doesn't even get paid. And Hosea is lamenting like, you told me to do this, God. And God said, go get her. So Hosea goes back, finds her, woos her again. She repents, comes back into the arms of Hosea. And there's a ton more to the story, and I don't have time to get into it. But this is so parallel to the people of God and to the church that Jesus comes, did this amazing thing. This, did this. Nobody's ever done anything like this ever for me. Ever. Ever. Nobody. None of you in here, as much as you love me, and I know some of you do, as much as you love me, none of you would do this for me. Jesus did. And for me to leave this building, or even sometimes it, 
it's hard on me because I know during worship, I know that Jesus is there. He's right here. Right here, scars on his body still. Holes in his hands, holes in his feet. And I know, and I'm, and I'm not looking at you, so don't get all awkward and, act, and think like Pastor Steve, blah, blah, blah. I know that there are people in this room that are thinking about lunch, that are thinking about texting. This is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, so it's nobody in here. But I'm here to tell you that one time after worship, I had one of my ushers come up to me. It wasn't even in this building, so for those of you that are freaking out. I had one of my ushers come up and say, okay, pastor, I don't, I, I need help. What do I do? Because so-and-so on the back row had his iPad out during worship and he was watching porn. In the church during worship. And I said, my shotgun isn't, no. <laughs> and I know that a bunch of you are in your, I can't believe someone would do that. Do, Do you think a little dishonoring God in worship is okay, but a lot of dishonoring God during worship is... We can't even honor the one that did this. That did this. Nobody's ever done this for anybody in this room except Him. And then we spend... And I know for most of you, I know this for a fact, for most of you, you get one 30-minute time a week. A week. In a whole week, you get one 30-minute time to literally just let it go. Just let the gratitude and, and the thankfulness flow from you. And most folks can't even stand that. Not even that, not even 30 minutes a week. And these are the same folks that will send hundreds of dollars a week to Netflix. It's the same people that will worship a football team. They can tell me every single buddy that's on their favorite football team, all the stats of their quarterback. And I could go on and on and on and on. That's worship. What your mind lifts up, what your mind praises, what you think on is worship. And that is praise. And Jesus knows it. He knows that while he's standing in this room, holes in his hands, holes in his feet, scars still on his back, Standing six inches away from someone who's thinking, will this guy please shut up? This is enough music for one day. And the Lord stands six inches away from that person that's saying that and thinking that in their heart. And he says, I love you. Come back into my arms. Please, let me hold you. Be my bride. Be pure. Over and over and over. As many times as we wander, is as many times as He'll come for your heart. 
Because He is love and not because you're lovely. This is the kingdom that He is the King of that He built. He built it. It's His kingdom. This is the way it works. But He will always love you. Not because you deserve it. But because He is love. And you don't ever have to go to church the rest of your life. You don't ever have to read the Bible. You don't ever have to pray. You don't ever have to give one second of honor or value to Him for the rest of your life. And He still did that for you. To make sure if you ever would respond to his love that you could I for one because I have a revelation of what he's done for me I'm going to live every day every moment to the best of my ability to receive and return that love and I pray I pray I'm not alone in this building. I know I'm not. Luke chapter 12, verse 31. But rather seek. All those things that you were seeking, all those natural things, a promotion at job, more money, more affection from all those people on Facebook that have so much value for you. Instead of all those things that you're seeking, Jesus said, rather seek. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said the exact same thing, except he said, seek first. First means primary. Above all other things that you seek. I have the, Kay and I have the greatest marriage on the planet. I know that irks people when I say that. I'm sorry. Deal with it. We have the greatest marriage on the planet. We didn't used to, but now we do. We have the greatest marriage on the planet. And it's not because I'm amazing, and it's not because she's amazing. It's because I have learned to seek first the kingdom, and she has learned to seek first the kingdom. Because of it, we're in perfect unity. And we love each other because of the love that we're receiving incessantly from our Savior. In the natural Kay's got nothing to love. I know all of you are thinking, no way, Pastor Steve, you're the most lovely guy ever. I know, I know you're thinking that. But Kay's seen me without a suit jacket. There, there's like one or two unlovable parts about me. Or three. She knows the intimacy. She knows, she knows the yuck about me and still loves me more than anybody in this room. Not because she's so amazing that she can love beyond the yuck. It's because she knows really, truly what's behind the yuck. And loves me with that love. She doesn't love me with performance love. Most marriages in this room, you have a performance-based love. Honey, I did the dishes. You're going to play sucky face with me, right? Because I did the dishes. I've earned it. Right? I gave you my paycheck. So now you owe me something. 
And all the gals in the room, I made you dinner, so you owe me affection. You need to talk to me. It's all performance-based. And then we wonder why we don't have intimacy in our relationships the way it was supposed to be. Thank God. Thank God Jesus doesn't love me based on my performance. Thank God. Thank God. I don't love my wife based on her performance. I, I'm Honestly, I've actually gotten to that place where I don't even know what her performance is. In fact, I fuss at her over her performance. She spent all week long cooking juice for you people. <laughs> Not you people, but those people. She spent all week long cooking juice for the people, doing the finances of the church, doing all of her reports, getting all the receipts, God bless her, doing all the, and taking care of our laundry and cooking food for me and doing all the stuff, taking care of the needs of the kids, the needs of anybody that calls her, meeting with people, doing all that so she can get ready to go to Honduras for a week with us. Praise God. She did all of that and not one person did she do it to get recognition or honor or value from? She was doing it because she loves Jesus. And there, I know there, for a fact there are people in here that are thinking, well, if my spouse knew what I did for them, if my parents knew how much I'd served them, if my kids knew what I did, then they would really... Because I'm here to tell you, if you knew what the Lord's done for you, uh huh, yeah, things would be different. First, and this word seek means to investigate, to pursue. What is my heart pursuing? What is my heart investigating? The King and His kingdom. To know Him, Paul says. This one thing. To know Him. And the power of His resurrection. And the fellowship of His suffering. To be made conformable unto His death. This one thing. To know Him. To know Him. To know Him. To know Him. And some folks want to know the ERA of their favorite picture. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And then all these things, everything in your natural life, the Father knows what's going on in your world. He totally knows. The difference is He knows what would be best for you. You just think you know what would be best for you. Oftentimes, what we think is best for us, really honestly is dangerous for us. When I used to, when I served Satan, I remember all the time at work, uh, me and I was a, I was a supervisor for UPS and, and uh, we'd get off at, at two, three, four o'clock in the morning because it was at the air hub and then all the managers would be like, hey, man, we worked really hard this week. We should go down to the strip club bar because we deserve it. We've worked really hard. It's what we need. And I remember thinking, I don't really, I don't really want to, but eventually they'd talk you into it. So you'd go because you needed to. You needed to 
release some pressure, let off some stress, or do whatever, whatever the language was, you know, it would change all the time. And I remember thinking one time, one time, I know I'd serve Satan good. I remember thinking one time, this is awesome. This, this was a great plan. So now I got other gals, pictures of other gals in my head. I have less money. And I almost fell asleep on the way home because it was 6 o'clock in the morning and wrecked my car. This is what I really needed. All, all, all the things that Satan offers you, if you would actually think them through, they are ignorant. And he tells you that they're wise. For example, science says blocking your oxygen makes you healthy. The same people have lines of oxygen in their hospital rooms in case someone really needs to get some oxygen. It's amazing. The same people that says, hey, there's times that people need some extra oxygen because oxygen is so important, are the same people all of a sudden that turn around and said, hey, no, reducing your oxygen is going to keep you healthy. Well, which is it? Sin, missing the mark, um, evil, wickedness, is ignorant. If you think it through, if you think it through, it's ignorant. This is how it's, it's really honestly easy to make righteous choices on things. If you think it through. Fear not, little flock. Just that statement, fear not. Fear not. Well, but, Pastor, i got a lot to fear. Fear not. But, Pastor, you don't know what they're going to do to me. They're going to fire me if I don't take the... Fear not. But what am I going to do for... Fear not. Do you think Jesus didn't know that 2021 was coming? <laughs> for real. I, I, I know some of you are giggling, but did you think like he was like... Hey, he was doing the atonement. He was going to the cross and he was thinking, well, you know, this is all going to be good until about 2019. After that, they're on their own. <laughs> he paid for this time too. This time too. He knew this was coming. And he still says, fear not. You never, ever, ever have permission from heaven to fear. You might have excuses. You might even have reasons. But you never have permission. Because Jesus defeated this whole system. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's His good pleasure. And give you means that you can't earn it. You can't work for it. You can't... uh, Go punch the clock and say, hey, Lord, you owe me a 3% dividend on the kingdom. No, it doesn't work that way. He purchased it in his blood. That's why taking communion is so important. Because it reminds you of what he did to bring these benefits to you. Out of John chapter 3, and I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to tell you these principles I need you to understand. In John chapter 3, the Lord said that there are people... This, this came up during prayer this morning when we were uh, pre, pre-worship prayer. Um, that we were talking about the kingdom. Uh, Pastor Ryan was talking about being with his family and even alluded to it here. And he said, man, I'm so glad to be back here. 
And people don't know this. People really don't know this. Because most people... Okay, do you know why the seeker-sensitive churches have church for 55 minutes? It's because the average Christian, that's about all they can take. 55 minutes being in a room with Christians. They can go watch a six-hour movie. That's totally fine. You can play... You can play video games for five, six, seven hours. Some of those kids play video games for 10, 12 hours and, and pee in a mountain doodle. Uh, mountain doodle. <laughs> they doodle in a mountain dew jug because they don't even want to get up to go to the bathroom. But 55 minutes of being with Christians. Whew, come on. Let's be late, honey. Okay. Let's leave early. Let's leave before they're done. Ryan stands up and he's like, man, I am so glad to be back. And I'm like, I get here around 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm usually one of the last people to leave. So I'll probably be here till 10 o'clock tonight. So 5 a.m. to 10. I'll probably go for a walk at some point um, around the community. But still, for the most part, I'm going to be here for whatever number of hours that is. And I, today, like, this is like my six flags. Like, yesterday, I'm like... Okay, tomorrow, to be with all my family. Yes. All you people. I get to be with my friends, my family, the people that think like me, the people that are like, I can be real and authentic with, because you can't go tell the people out in the world, like, hey, they're choking you with masks. No, stupid preacher, you don't know nothing. I just had a principal of high school that I was trying to convince them about the rights that I just told you, and he said, I got a master's degree, what do you know? <laughs> well, okay then. I guess I'm an idiot. All I know is Jesus. <laughs> but he's got a master's degree. This is normal, you get it. We got it? This is normal. And Ryan was talking about, man, I'm so glad to be back. So glad to be back with my family. And I'm like, you know that even the average Christian has no clue, no clue what it means to actually kononia. To actually be with the family. I'm looking forward to the, whatever it is, 16 hours of being with the beloved. I wished it was seven days a week. If it was seven days a week, I could sell my house. Just sleep on the floor up in here. It'd be great. I'd love it. This is the, this is Jesus. This is why he didn't have a house. Well, he had a house, but that's why he didn't stay at his house. Because like, I'd rather just go be with my people. This is, this is God in the Old Testament. This is why God told Moses to build a tabernacle. A tabernacle is a tent. God literally wanted to camp out with His people. I could live in heaven. Gold streets, amazing things, angels singing. But I'd rather live in a tent with my people. You're the people. He wants to, he wants to tabernacle. He wants to tent in our lives and in our hearts. And we haven't embraced that. In, in John chapter 3, the Lord talks about the, the different ways of this. There's people that literally have like their back to the kingdom. Where they're saying, you know, I know the kingdom's there. I know it exists. But it's really not what I'm focused on because I'm headed this way. And this way is your kingdom. It's your way of thinking, it's your life, it's all the grandiose things that you got planned, it's, it's, it's all of the intelligent uh, purposes that you have, your kingdom, your way, it's all about me. 
That's the person with their back. They probably know it's there. But they don't give a rip. And then there's people that are smart enough to turn around and say, Man, the kingdom, look how beautiful. Wow. Awesome. Anyway. That's a ton of believers. A ton. If you walk up to the average believer and you say, Hey, do you know that that God does miracles? Oh yeah, amen. Do you know that, that God loves you? Yep, yep, I know God loves me. Woohoo. Do you know there's great and precious promises in the scriptures? Oh yeah, whoop, whoop. I even got a couple of them memorized. I can't think of them right now, but I know. Okay? How much of this is actually fruitful in your life? Well, I mean, you know, one day we'll get to heaven. In the sweet by and by, everything will be awesome. They see the kingdom. They know it exists. They won't even they would might even fight you, debate you that it really exists. But then there's this group of people. Hallelujah. This crazy Pastor Ryan group of people that say, you know what, I don't want to just see it. I'm stepping in. And he steps in and he's like, This is awesome. I don't want anything but this. I know. So I don't want to leave this. I know. This is better than the, all the other things. I know. And you cannot convince other people about it. I've spent the last ten years trying to convince people about this. And only a handful of people said, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. A handful. And I know you think, like, no, if I really knew it was good, and I really knew it was great, and I really knew that it was awesome, I would do anything to get into it. No, you wouldn't. You would not be honest with yourself and just say there's just times that you're just not going to do it. You're not going to go there. You'd rather just sit on the couch, eat bonbons. <laughs> there's things I'm not saying in Jesus' name. The Father's good pleasure is to give you these things for free. It cost him everything Jesus, his blood. But he wants to give it to you for free. And it's so amazing and it's so awesome that most of us say, yeah, anyway, I'd rather watch a movie. Amen. Kingdom means the realm of the king's dominion. The realm of the king's dominion. Here's how you know what parts of your life are in the kingdom. Versus being on the outside looking and seeing the kingdom. And listen, it's better to see the kingdom. To be born again and know that it exists, that's better than not even knowing there is a kingdom. So I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody in here if you're, if you're not in it and you're just looking at it. If you're looking at it, praise God, keep looking. <laughs> Please keep looking. Because if you look anywhere else in this world right now, you are set up for disaster. And you can tell how much of your life is actually in the kingdom versus looking at the kingdom. Looking at the kingdom is, oh man, I got sick. I need to go to the doctor. I'm going to take 14 medicines and they're going to cut a chunk of my body out. And say, hey, do you believe God heals? Yeah. Do you believe God heals uh, everyone? Uh, Maybe. 
Isn't death healing, Pastor? I've had so many people tell me, isn't that, when I, when I die, isn't that healing? I'm like, that is the most terrible healing ever. <laughs> Do you believe God heals? Yeah. Do you believe God heals everybody? Eh. Do you believe God heals everyone all the time? Well, come on now. You, you might see those things. You know, how many people did Jesus take stripes on his back for? So if you're a people, he took stripes for you. Those stripes specifically, specifically were for your healing. Specifically. He took your sicknesses and your diseases on those, with those stripes and died them away to give you health. His health. And I, I, I know that some of you are like, I get that. You can see it. Okay, that's fine. See it. I'm okay with that. See it. The crazy bunch that actually step into that and say, hey, you know what? I got symptoms in my body. I'm not going to the doctor. I'm not taking pills. And they're not cutting anything off of me. I'm standing on this promise. And I'm saying, symptoms, sicknesses, diseases, you have to go. Because Jesus, my Savior, took stripes in His body for my health. Now get out in Jesus' name. And you know what the symptoms do? Well, excuse me. I didn't know you were one of those people. That's right. Don't you forget it. What do you do to a bully? Listen, I went to 13 different schools before the 8th grade. We moved a lot. The new kid is usually the one with the target painted on him. And so my normal way was we move somewhere, you go to school, whatever, the next day, next week, whatever. And what you do, I learned this after about five moves. I learned what you find the guy that's probably the bully. You stir it up because he's looking for you. And you punch him in the nose. I've learned that. When you punch him in the nose, it usually starts squirting. And then everybody, and you, you might get beat, I got beat up a lot. I might have been beat up more than anybody in this room. I'm not proud of it, I'm kind of proud of it. it, it the, the thing is, is that getting beat up is worth it because you punch the bully in the nose. And so he might beat you up. I've learned, I learned this. <laughs> okay, how do you know the difference between being smart and being wise. Anybody know? A smart person makes mistakes and learns from them. A wise person hears someone else's mistakes and learns from them. Be wise. I was smart. You be wise. What I found out was that if you punch a bully in the nose and get beat up, they probably don't want to mess with you again. Because they still don't want their nose punched. And so they'll beat you up because they got to keep their role as the bully and, and earn that right. That's fine. You get beat up and they earn that. But you make it really, really hard on them and they don't want to do it again. And all of the under bullies, they leave you alone. So here's what you do to the other bullies in your life. Satan, Governor... Uh... <laughs> All, all the other bullies in your life, when they come, what you do, you punch them in the nose. Well, what if I lose? 
You lose once. And then when they come back, they're going to think, you know, last time I came over here, <laughs> it hurt a lot. And they might even still come after you. Punch them in the nose. Well, then I lose. What if I get beat up? Then you get beat up. It's better to get beat up and punch the bully in the nose than to never fight back. I'm telling you, there's a bully. He's coming with symptoms of sicknesses and diseases. Punch him in the nose! Well, what if I eventually lose and I have to go to the doctor and get a pill? Okay. At least punch him in the nose. And then the next time when he comes, he's like, you know, I want to put this symptom on, on Josiah. But I do remember last time I tried to put symptoms on Josiah, he punched me in the nose. Twice. So I'm going to, like, do it from a distance. <laughs> symptoms. You, you, you start living your life this way, and all the bullies, all the tyrants will figure out that there's way easier prey. Doesn't the Scripture say that Satan walks about as a roaring lion looking for whom he may, whom he may devour. When that lion roams into my house, I have a double barrel. When he rolls into some other people's house, they say, hey, I'm glad you're here, made a steak. Want a steak? Lion says, I'd love to. It'll be a good appetizer right before I devour you. His kingdom is love. His kingdom is love. If you want to understand the doctrines, if you want to understand whether he wants you healed, whether he wants you prospered, whether he wants you in peace, whether he wants you in joy, whatever you need to understand, if you filter it through the God kind of love, you will figure out the doctrine. People that believe that God wants you poor are so holy, they are so self-righteous that they actually want their children to be wealthy. But they think that God, who loves more than anybody in this room, wants people poor. It, it makes no sense. Nobody in this room is kinder than, more loving than, or more gracious than God. So if you want something for someone, and it's good, and it's loving... To think that God in heaven doesn't want that same thing for you. You've exalted yourself against the knowledge of God. And you have raised yourself up in pride. Thinking that you are more loving than God. I want my children to be wealthy. I want my children to be healthy. I want my children to have joy. I want my children to have peace. And I learned it from my father. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved. Does anybody know who that is? Good for you. Beloved, let us love one another. Let us. Let us. Which means you can choose not to. I'm going to that stupid church. I'm going to check the box on my stupid Christian service. God's going to be happy. I'm going to give my 20 bucks. Maybe. Depending on what Bob says. If he says something I don't like, I ain't giving him 20 bucks. Take that, Bob. <laughs> and if everything goes my way, I'll check the box for my Christian service. Let us love one another. You have a choice. You have a will. You know, this is one of the... You, you've probably heard the songs if you grew up in the 
70s like me, all the songs had to do with uh, how amazing love was from a bunch of guys that looked like girls with longer hair than girls uh, who obviously knew what love was because they all had amazing, successful marriages. <laughs> to, me, it's, it's, to me, this is... Sidetrack, real quick. Uh, I'll just go down it for a second. I'll come back out. If you're going to take advice from someone about anything, anything, please take advice from people that are successful at that thing. For me to take advice from a deaf leopard on marriage, (laughs) are you following me? That's a special kind of stupid. It's a special kind. That's like short bus... Padded room, stupid. <clears throat> but people do it all the time. Well, this is what Bon Jovi said, so this is how I'm going to live my life. R- bo- bo- bon Jovi? <laughs> if you're going to take advice from... I, I see this all the time. That people take advice from, like, family members. And like, um, I'm not going to use examples, because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But, uh, I ha- okay, I have friends. And I have friends that are, I know. What? You guys don't think I have friends? Guess who's not my friend? <laughs> I have friends, and I've actually said this to them. I've had people come up to me who are less healthy than me, who tell me how to be healthy. I have one friend who, uh, and, he, and, he, and he really is a good guy, but he's really fat. And he's told me things about how to lose weight. And I actually said to him, I won't say his name, and he doesn't live in Illinois, so take that. Um, he, I said to him, dude, you're fat. He's like, well, I know. I'm like, if you know what to do, why are you fat? He goes, well, I can tell you what to do. Well, I'm not going to do it. How many, are are you following me? Don't take advice from people that aren't living it. If somebody's not in peace, don't let them tell you how to be in peace. If someone's not in joy, don't let them tell you how to, if their marriage is on the rocks, don't let them tell you. You know, divorced people, you know the number one people that they run to for advice? People getting divorced. Do you love your husband? No. Well, let's talk about how much I don't love my husband. Maybe this will fix my marriage. This is why divorces are contagious. If you've ever noticed that, like somebody gets divorced and you're like, oh, well, they, I didn't know they got divorced. Oh, yeah, but then did you hear this person and then this person? It's, it's contagious. You know why? Because they all huddle together and they talk about why it's right for them to get divorced. You know what's contagious in the kingdom? Verse 8. Oh, I'm sorry. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. Of God. I, this is one of the greatest revelations of my life. And I've got to do it really quick, because I've already talked about this. But you do not love anyone ever without God. If a person is unborn again, if they've never been born again, they've never loved. And I know you're thinking, why? That's so arrogant. It's, love is of God. Everyone that loves is born of God. So if a person's not born of God, they can't love. 
Well, my neighbor's not born of God. They're complete atheists. And they've been married for 40 years and they love each other. Okay, they love each other with a natural marriage love. I'm okay with that. They phileo each other. This is agape. This is God's kind of love. This is the real love. All this other stuff is the fake love. You know, how many people love their dogs? Loves their cats? There are people in this room that spend more money on your pets than you do on the kingdom. And I'm not, whatever. That's your thing, that's your thing. There are people in this room that love their animals more than they love their spouse. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe not in this room. It's just those YouTube people. It's not God's love. God's love never, ever, ever would love an animal more than a person. Ever. Ever. And our society has literally legalized it. You know, it's a... It's a $250,000 fine and five years in jail for me to go down to the Mississippi River, climb a tree, and touch, touch an eagle egg. Touch it. If I touch an eagle egg on the Mississippi River, it is a $500,000 fine, I'm sorry, a $250,000 fine and five years in jail. But if I put on a white coat and take a scalpel and cut a woman's womb open and slice up a baby, I'm a hero. I'm a hero. Because I protected a woman's right to choose. Do do you get this? Eagle egg, five years in jail. Human. Disposable. This is the society we live in. That's not God's kind of love. God's kind of love doesn't love an eagle egg more than... And we need to make sure that we're defining love the way God defines love. And it only comes from Him. You're not going to get this in the world. You're not going to get this... Um, from your favorite musician. You're not going to get this from, you know, reading the cool book about love. Romeo and Juliet, the love story of all time, Cinderella, whatever. It's, it's not going to be in a cartoon. It's going to be an intimacy with God. An intimacy with God. You're not going to learn it any other way. Everyone that loves is born of God and... Conjunction. Born of, so born again, you have to be born again in order to have, receive, and give the love of God. You have to be born again. It's the entrance exam. But you also have to know Him. In other words, you don't just get born again and all of a sudden it's like, warm, love. No, it doesn't. you still have to know Him. And the deeper you press into intimacy with Him, the deeper you know Him, which is love. The deeper you press into love is the more you know Him. Because He is love. Because the next verse says, God is love. He that loves not, knows not God. If I would ever have a moment where I'm not loving K, it's because 
I'm not knowing God. This is a personal red flag in my own life. If I find myself getting like, well, I don't, why is K not whatever? And, and this might help a ton of you. You need to set these little guidelines in your lives. If you find yourself getting like pokey and irritated and, and uh, a little uh, mucked up in your soul at someone that you should not, like me. <laughs> then throw that red flag, throw, throw the penalty flag in your life and say, hey, you know what? This isn't because Steve's a jerk. <laughs> when I preach this tonight, those people are going to be like, hey, man, pastor, we love you the most. I know. It's not because Steve's a jerk. It's probably because you're just not intimate with God. If I find that I'm getting a little bit like snarky with Kay, like, well, I don't know why Kay ain't. I don't know why she didn't. I don't know. If, if I find at all that I'm having issues with Kay, it's not Kay. It's not Kay. It is me. If you, I tell people this all, all the time. If you've got a problem with Steve, I get it. I'm... It takes a lot of faith to be in relationship with me. I'm okay with that. I understand that. I get that. If you got a problem with Kay, you're demonic. You're you're demonic. You got a problem with me? You're probably all right. You got a problem with Kay? You got issues. Issues. Because she's the same thing with my mom. Like you got a problem with my mom? You need to get born again. Amen. <laughs> but all of it comes from. Intimacy with him. If you're intimate with God, it's amazing. It's magical. How all of a sudden, like all the other relationship in your life, like, wow, it's like these things are working out really well all of a sudden. Like all of a sudden, all these people are, are being kinder to me and, and more loving and more. Maybe. Or maybe you're just more intimate with God. And so you're experiencing more of God flowing through different areas of your life. And you're not getting so nicky-picky with all the other stuff. Verse 9. You guys aren't liking this very much. In this was manifested the love of God towards us. Towards us. You know what the word manifest means? It means make clear or obvious to the eye or mind. To make clear or obvious to the eye or mind. So the love of God was made clear or obvious to our eyes or to our mind in this. Because God sent His only begotten Son into the world. How many people are, are literally sitting there thinking, man, I, I wish I had more of a, of a revelation of the love of God. I wish I knew how much more God loved me. Maybe Pastor Steve, after the service, will pray for me and I'll have an incredible experience with the love of God. Maybe I, can, maybe I can have a dream tonight, and in my dream tonight, I'll have like, wow, God loves me. Or maybe there's an angel that will come into my room when nobody's looking, and this angel will deposit on me this, this glistening love of God. This is how you'll know the love of God. And here's the reason. Because if it was about an angel flying into your room, if it was about Pastor Steve laying his hands on you so you have this amazing encounter with the love of God. If it was about that one prayer from that one per- mom is, 
is the dispensary of all things the love of God. If I could just be with mom, I'd really understand. If that was the way it happened, then you do realize then it's not universal. This is for all people for all time. And this is how the love of God comes. You understanding that God laid down divinity. And this, I have to, I'm in a hurry, i got to go. But God laying down divinity for you. And I mean that, he laid it down. Jesus stepped down from divinity for you. He traded divinity for you. I know you're thinking, well, he got it back. No, he didn't. He did not get the exact same divinity back. He actually stepped down and stayed lower. To this day, Jesus has a physical body. It's a spiritualized physical body. But it's still, Jesus can only be in one place at one time now because of you. Before he took on that body, omnipotent, omnipresent. Now, one place, one time. He sacrificed parts of divinity so that you and I could be rescued. And we don't even value it most of the time. Like I said, Jesus was here today. Because he said, where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. So Jesus showed up today. And there's people that are like falling asleep in worship. Oh, man, it, did they, did, did they miss the key on that? Was that the wrong tune? Did someone hit the wrong string? Jesus, three, three feet away. Amen. In this was manifested the love of God towards us. Because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Verse 16, I'm going to skip. And we have known and believed the love. That God has to us. To us. So here's how you know the love of God to you. You know and believe. Believe is faith. Believe is convinced. I don't have time for this. But faith only comes one way. Through the word of God. And there are people in this room that didn't crack a Bible this week, and they're thinking, man, I wish I knew how much more God loved me. No, you don't. I'm not being mean, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but no, you don't. If you wanted to know how much God loved you, you would believe it by adding faith to your heart through the Word of God. If you're not in the Word of God, you don't really desire to know how much God loves you. You just want Steve to come and preach it real good. And if I preach it real good, then you'll receive it and you'll give me a big hearty amen. It's, it's knowing it, which means intimacy, personal experience. You don't get to know the love of God because I tell you how much God loves me. That might inspire you to want to receive the love of God, but you'll never actually have the love of God operate in your life because Steve's loved by God. You have to experience it yourself. You have to be intimate. There's only, I only have one wife. She's the only one that experiences groom Steve and, and groom Steve only experiences one bride. That's it. And I can't can't explain to you what can I have. 
But you can have something in your marriage that way. Those of you that are married. You can have that. You don't have it the exact same way Stephen K. has. You, you can't, because we're better than you. But you, you, can, you, can, hey man, you can have it your way. Uh, our way is better. It's better for us. The way that you have intimacy with your spouse, the way you have intimacy with your kids, it's better than the way that we do. That's okay. Because it's for you. Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you and He wants to have it the way that you and Him have it. Not the way He and Steve has it. And believe. No intimate, personal, experiential. Believe. Faith. You do not have it operating in your life unless both of those parts are working. Both of them. Known and believe the love that God has to us. Why is to us important? Because you can't get something going through you until you get it going to you. This is why a lot of folks struggle with the love of God to give it away to their neighbors, to give it away to people, because they don't actually have it to you. You can't give away what you don't have. You can't give away what you don't have. You can desire to give away things you don't. I, I desire to give a million dollars away. Or more. Way more. But I don't have it at the moment in the physical. This, I'm messing. Let's move on. 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Perfect means mature, fully grown, bearing fruit. Fully grown, bearing fruit, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. This is how your love is bearing fruit. That we have boldness in the day of judgment. Ah, I can't even talk about that. This is why my eschatology is probably better than most people's. I'm looking forward to the end days. Because I'm loved. And this is the reason I didn't write the book about how scary the end days are and you gave me a million dollars. Because you, if you write fear, I know that you're thinking like, no, no preacher would ever write fear in a book and then sell a bunch of copies and make a bunch of money. I know. God bless you, you little sweetness. Your darling, God bless your darling little heart that you don't think that a preacher would manipulate you for fear to try to get money. I don't have any concern at all about the future. Zero. I don't care what tyrant says they're going to jab me with whatever they're going to try to jab me. You try to come in my house and stick something in my arm. I've got pieces of machinery that will stick something back in you. Read the Second Amendment. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. If you're in fear today, You're not in love. You have to leave love to be in fear. You have to leave fear to be in love. One or the other. You can't have both at the same time. If you're fearful about the state of our world, you are not in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear has torment. Tyrants torment. 
He that fears is not made fruitful, mature in love. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. You can't leave here and say, okay, I'm going to love God more. The only way you're going to love him more is by allowing him to love you more. The more you allow him to love you, the more you can reflect. Be the moon, reflect the sun. To the degree that the moon is full facing the sun is to the degree that it's bright. To the degree that you're full facing to the love of God is the degree that you'll reflect it. If you're not reflecting the love of God, it's because you're not receiving the love of God. Out of time. Clock. Uh, let me just make this statement. Man, i got verses to prove this. If you want the verses to prove it, come see me later. The fruit or the blessing in your life is indicative of how much you love God, not how much God loves you. Right now, your health, your finances, your joy, your peace is indicative of how much you're reflecting God's love for you, not how much God loves you. God loves us all the same, with all of his heart, with all of his blood, with all of his body. He loves us all the same. To the degree that we receive that love and reflect it is the degree that we have fruitfulness in our lives. So that fruit in your life, right now, where you are, in your, in any way, anything you can name, wherever you are in that, is not indicative of how much God loves you, it's how much you are reflecting God's love. Some people in this room are more healed than others. That's not because God loves them more. It's because they've received the love of God in that area more, and now they are bearing fruit. Your life is like a womb. And when the seed of God's Word comes in there, you will bear out the children in that womb of that incorruptible seed. So if you're not receiving the seed, you've got nothing to conceive and just state. God's love is the seeds that are always coming at you. Open up your heart. Open up your womb. And let it come in and plant. All right. Man. I can't do part three. Or maybe I can. I don't know. We'll take a vote. All right. Please rise. Uh, I'd like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing this time with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of His life-changing Word. If you would like to learn more about Steve Castle Ministries and Beloved Church, you can go online to stevecastle.com or belovedchurchillinois.com. You can also contact us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are a part of the Beloved Family of God, and Beloved Church is the place where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart to receive as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. I pray, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things.
things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you, and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.